0: that almost didn't happen (laughs) no, exactly
1: welcome to this next episode of Barokio's Podcast just just us two this time Mm -hmm. it's been a minute since we did a podcast just both of us Mm -hmm. so
0: back to basics
1: yeah, so I had an idea for what we can talk about today Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking we can talk about just, you know, something that includes a lot of different foreigners who are planning on coming here or who do live here Mm -hmm. is maybe we can talk about Different avenues of learning Japanese sure. or how to learn Japanese, yeah. like what different ways people take and what ways we have taken. Yeah, obviously your Japanese is pretty much fluent. Mm, you could say uh, that. Yeah, so maybe we can start with the podcast. Just uh, you can talk about like how you learned
0: Japanese. Sure. I mean, well, first I just I would add a disclaimer that I wouldn't personally call my Japanese fluent. Really? I know, like. I acknowledge that it's at a level where other people maybe can rightfully call it fluent yeah and I feel that I can express myself fluently in Japanese Mm. but I feel like when you call someone fluent it almost implies native level yeah and I'll never be a native Japanese speaker you know because I only started learning Japanese when I was uh, like 20 almost 21 years old Mm. Um, and even if I study for another 50 years I stay here for 50 years I'll never be someone who grew up speaking it natively. And I yeah. feel like the reason I'm so sensitive to that distinction is that Japanese is objectively one of the hardest languages that you can learn as a non native speaker. Yeah. As you know.
1: I think it gets, <laughs> it's gotten harder as it goes along, to be honest. Like, as mm. I learn more about Japanese, mm. I feel like it gets harder, like, learn, like, figuring out what certain nuances are, how mm-hmm. big of a difference they might make, whether it's grammatically or culturally. Mm hmm. It just, and the way, just the way that people think, it just, yeah, it's just, it feels like, I feels like, I feel like it continuously gets harder.
0: Oh, I think not to bring everything up, like not to put everything in the context of jujitsu, but just another (laughs) analogy, like I compare it to jujitsu in that way because I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's the kind of thing where like both Japanese and jujitsu feel to me like you're in this dark room and the room goes on forever. So it's actually not a room but as you get better at Your these tongue. things, it's like the lantern that you're holding yeah. allows you to see more of this giant jigsaw puzzle that covers the, all the space you're standing in the middle of infinitely. Yeah. And so you start to see more of the puzzle and understand more of the puzzle, and you're like, wow, I'm getting this. But the more you see, the more you realize how big that space is and how much it just go. like you'll never know or understand all of it. It's yeah. an infinite journey, you know, so like, it's that paradox of the more we learn, the more we become aware of what we don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I especially know what you're talking about when you, when you mentioned the aspect of how learning Japanese or learning any language involves trying to think like the native yeah, exactly. speakers. Because with Japanese especially, it's not like when you tried to learn Spanish or French or Latin in school. <laughs> This is a completely different family of languages. It is. The literal mindset of Japanese people like language shapes and is shaped by culture. Yeah. So and this language is just and this culture is just so wildly different from our own as Americans that like we learn more about how Japanese people think the Japanese psyche through learning Japanese and also the more we learn independently about Japanese culture that informs and helps our Japanese language learning.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the whole uh, how it compares uh with like French and Spanish because mm. it's very true right mm. like i'm I'm half hispanic and I'm half north african mm-hmm. uh so like I know like just knowing uh I'm not fluent in either language but I do know a good bit of Spanish and a good bit of French yeah so like I know how easy it is to uh like I feel like if I went to those countries I could easily learn it within like maybe like a six months like yeah. or a year like probably a year I can be fluent in both. Mm-hmm. And it's just easy for me in that sense because it's so close to... One, I grew up with both languages being talked around me. Yeah. And two, it's just so close to English. Yeah. And the way that we... Like the romance languages mm-hmm. and how you think, the way you form sentences. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very close in that sense. But Japanese is an entirely different beast.
0: It's yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's like... I guess another reason I was... I'm hesitant to call myself fluent. Like even though I have like certifications i've taken the jlpt which what is, level do you have i officially got level two okay. which is the second highest yeah, and two. i feel very confident that i could pass level one now uh oh really because yeah since i started working a year and a half ago like my japanese has just gotten way even better because i have to like work in japanese mm. i'm pretty damn confident i could pass level one right now i just haven't taken the test again yeah is there any point um, for
1: you right at this point
0: I don't need to. Like, yeah. I was, like, wanting to get N1 while I was still working, uh, looking for work. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, it would look even better. And for some places, it's even a prerequisite. But at my current company, like, they didn't even... They want you to be at least level two, but they don't... It's not even a hard requirement. Like, mm. they just... They... The way it worked at my current company is they, like, interview you and they just will decide for themselves if your Japanese is good enough. Yeah. You know, we had to, like, translate something. and, yeah. But... I guess one of the main reasons another main reason I hesitate to call myself fluent uh besides just being aware that like there's an endless like no limit to how much you can keep learning when you're not yeah. a native speaker is um I still feel like I really struggle with listening to Japanese like oh really yeah, I'm being really honest here because I, I know that I I can converse with Japanese people way better than I could when I first moved here. Mm. I can watch Japanese television and movies and like pretty much understand everything that's going on. But still, like I've only been learning this language for five years. I've been living here for four. Maybe this, I'm, sh- I'm sure this will continue to get better as I spend more time here. But still, I'll be like on the train or something and I'll be listening to people talk and like if they're drunk or it's just someone who speaks really fast or they're using a lot of slang or they have a heavily accented uh like way of speaking from some region of Japan that's not Tokyo, like yeah. there's still times where I'm like, what the hell is that person saying? Mm, you know, yeah. it's the equivalent of like think about some foreign friend you have back in the States who like you really admire their English ability, but you know that if you went like full slang on them yeah that you'd lose them right yeah, there's yeah, certain yeah. people you become sensitive to their level if they're not a native speaker of your yeah, language yeah, yeah. and i feel like i'm still in that area where like i'm just not a native speaker so so yeah. people with weird ways of speaking i'm sometimes like what the hell did they say yeah you know? yeah
1: yeah yeah. i know exactly what you mean i feel yeah. like the same way like if i spoke to my girlfriend in like full slang english the right. way that i would normally speak she wouldn't uh she wouldn't like understand a lot of things that i was saying yeah um, but, but the I'm, more I'm, you,
0: like, mimic an English textbook, the easier it is for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she is not a native English speaker. She had to study it. For sure, yeah. for
1: sure. Uh, it's, yeah. How, how exactly did you learn? come about learning Japanese? Like, what was mm-hmm. your method of learning
0: Japanese? Like, my whole, from, like, the time I started yeah. to... Na- okay, um, well, it's not like it all could be qualified as a method. Like, I didn't plan it out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way I started learning the language is... I came here for study abroad in the summers of 2014, 2015, and I was exposed to the language that way, and I learned, like, words, but I wasn't officially studying Japanese yet. So, after that second, like, short study abroad thing, um, in the fall of 2015, I was starting my senior year, like, my final year of undergrad, Yeah, and I said, what the hell, like, I want to learn Japanese. So even though I only have a year of college left, I'm just going to start now. So I was like the only senior in like a Japanese one class (laughs) of like all like freshmen and stuff. But I really, I loved it. And the Michigan language program at the university of Michigan where I was studying, like it was pretty intense. So I was, I studied Japanese for my final year of college and I had like an hour class every day, like Monday through Friday. Mm. And I took it really seriously. I worked out, I completed that whole like year one textbook and I did all my homework and all that. Um, and then I, right after undergrad, I moved here for grad school. So during my first two years, my my two years of grad school, I was no longer enrolled in an official Japanese language class, but I worked with a tutor like once a week online who gave me a curriculum. So I continued to work out of a textbook Okay. and I I took my self-study like pretty seriously. Sometimes it fell by the wayside, but I tried to stay on track with self-study. And then, after my two years of grad school doing that, um, and by the end of that, I'd pretty much gotten up to an N3 level, which is just before business proficiency. Yeah. I got accepted into that language program at the IUC in Yokohama. Oh, nice. So then I spent nine, 10 months intensively studying Japanese like it was my job. Mm. And that's what got me up to like a near N1 level. Okay. What yeah. were
1: you doing during that time? Were you working somewhere?
0: No. So that – the reason I said I was studying like it was my job is because that program puts you on a cultural visa mm. and you're technically not supposed to work. Like the the center, the inner university center, the IUC – they have you sign an agreement when you start the program that you're not going to work. Really? Outside. Like you're just going to study because I was on a living stipend. They were basically oh, they, they paying he, me. Oh, okay. They wow, were basically awesome. paying me to study Japanese. Yeah. Because almost everyone who enters that program, it technically costs like $30,000, but everyone gets a full scholarship because they have like serious donors. Yeah. Maybe they accept like one person a year who like pays the actual tuition, but everyone else gets a scholarship. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And then they give you a living stipend on top of that. So basically studying Japanese was my job for like nine, ten months. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's why I was able to get to the like level where, you know, I got N2, which is business proficient. I was able to get a job here. And what was this
1: scholarship called?
0: So, um, technically my scholarship was called the Toshizo Watanabe scholarship, uh, because it's funded by the Toshizo Watanabe foundation. Yeah. But like these scholarships are specific to the IUC. Mm -hmm. So the way this, place works is you apply and if you get in they don't immediately tell you that you've gotten a scholarship but like i said everyone basically gets a scholarship Mm, yeah
1: that's really cool dang man i wish i got something like that
0: i mean you could try (laughs) to apply man the only prerequisite is that you're currently a student or graduate of a western university i don't Uh know if it has to be a certain university but Mm. yeah
1: well i'm no longer a part of uh western university you could be a graduate. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. they're
0: basically looking for people who come from Western academia who want to study Japanese intensively in a capacity where like they're going to use it for their future plans, whether it's within academia or professionally, mm. like otherwise yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah that's really
1: cool and then and then, from there on, what happened
0: uh so after that nine ten month program, i uh, towards the end of it was looking for jobs yeah. and the center they kind of help you with like job opportunities They have some people from like corporations that'll come in and there's like networking events But I didn't really go that route. I kind of wanted to look on my own. Yeah Um. so I you know, I interviewed with one of the places I interviewed with was the place I currently work uh, They gave me an offer and I've been working there for the last year and a half. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah, very cool mm-hmm.
1: and you were going there, uh, you were doing that, but before you went to that, uh, uh, to that program, mm-hmm. you had graduated from Waseda, right?
0: Yeah. Like right before. Oh, uh, so
1: you graduated from Waseda and then you went to that, um, that, that 10 month program. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice. So that's how I've, I saw so I've, you know, I've gotten very lucky with these opportunities.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Though, I mean, you, you know, sometimes luck doesn't matter if you don't take advantage of them, right?
0: Yeah, and that's one thing that really pissed me off at the program. I, uh, well, let me um, clarify real quick. I love that program. It was yeah. awesome. What pissed me off is that there were some people there who didn't take it as seriously as I did. And I don't even think I took it the most seriously. I took it very seriously, but I'm sure there were other kids who like grinded even harder than I did. Yeah. And it wasn't just kids too. I should say like there were like full grown adults who were there. Oh, wow. Like for example, one guy I was in classes with was like a lawyer, like a full fledged lawyer back in the States, but he wanted to move to Japan and start practicing law in Japan.
1: That's difficult.
0: As a foreigner. So that's why he was there. Yeah. Um, Other people, a lot of them were like PhD students or even undergrads who had just finished. But in any case, there were some people who didn't take it as seriously as I did, and that really pissed me off because it was such an opportunity, like you know, to be yeah. granted.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So to squander that, I was just like, I don't want to even socialize. Yeah,
1: anymore. luck doesn't matter. I mean, everyone is lucky, but you know, you're not really lucky unless you take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: That's that's the true essence of it, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we we all get lucky, but we don't. We're not ever. We're not always like. Like you or any of the, the person who does take care of, uh, take care that they, you know, take mm-hmm. advantage of those circumstances. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm I'm just the kind of person I think who like, I'm not going to squander people's good fortune. Um, For, sure. For sure. In the sense, I don't know if I use that term correctly, but like if someone decides that I'm worthy of an opportunity like that, I'm not going to let them down. Yeah. You know? I would never have entered that program unless I intended on taking it seriously.
1: Yeah. That's a good way of looking about it. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, for me, actually, I, um, so, like, I started, like, immediately once I started university, mm-hmm. I, I started uh, going to school in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and, uh, it was, like, a community college, It mm-hmm. was, like, a two-year program, I was gigging at my associates, mm-hmm. and, uh, once I had entered, I immediately went into learning Japanese, right. with no intentions of moving to Japan, I just wanted to maybe, like, watch anime or something, yeah. without it. but, like, so, but, yeah, I learned a lot, you know, you know, I, but it was only, like, two days a week right for 1 hour right yeah so it wasn't really it wasn't monday through friday mm-hmm. it was just like tuesday and thursday for 1 hour right or 1 hour and a half and it wasn't it wasn't something where i was a- able to like effectively learn how to communicate it was yeah. just like like oh yo, you yeah know, konnichiwa all those kind of things at the beginning and then it went to like learning basically how the the general grammar of it is and mm-hmm. Of how Japanese works, and I learned how to say some things, mm-hmm. but having a conversation was definitely something that I, I wasn't able to do. Right. And then yeah, I finished that. Did like it took like two semester for four semesters of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned quite a bit, but after that, I didn't take any Japanese classes at all. Right. Um, I had gone into uh, getting my bat finishing my bachelor's degree in the next two three years, mm-hmm. three years, and during that whole time, I didn't take any. Any sort of Japanese classes, or like I did some self studying here and there, which helped a little bit, but it was never anything serious. Yeah, I just never had time between like doing my university classes and working and Jiu Jitsu. I was just like, it was difficult for me to completely focus in on it.
0: Yeah, well, it wasn't your major or anything, so it wasn't my major,
1: but like I still, I still like held hold a lot of regret, right, for not focusing the time that I should have into it. Yeah. Uh, especially since I was living, I've been living here for a total of two years. Oh, here. so
0: you're, yeah, you're talking about, you're already, to I'm already this is like already, like when I'm already living in you're Japan. You're living in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you're finishing your bachelor's at Temple here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: So I graduated from like, I did the two-year degree in Atlanta, I mm-hmm. uh, got my associates, and then I immediately came to Temple here, here. in Japan. Mm-hmm. I was here for about a year, and then I left for a year, and then I came back for a year. Right. So I was here, like, like there was a small gap where I didn't, wasn't in school, and wasn't learning Japanese or anything. Yeah. Um, but the two years where I was in Japan, it was still, I didn't have any Japanese lessons. Right, right. Um, and I really regret not focusing the time on doing that. Yeah. But anyways, um, I graduated university and then I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next and I decided to enroll in a, a Japanese language school, mm-hmm. which is something that's really popular, uh, for, you know, a popular choice for a lot of people to do, mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of reasons. One, to be able to maintain a, a visa to stay in Japan. Yeah. Um, and to, to have the proper environment where you can effectively learn Japanese. Mm-hmm. So cause
0: some the visa thing is like some of these schools, they sponsor your visa. Like your correct. visa right now is sponsored by the school you're enrolled in. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: My right now, cause I'm in a, currently in a Japanese language school. Yeah. Um, and I have been since July mm-hmm. of this year. So it's been about, um, about like five months mm-hmm. now that I've been in the school and it's been helpful. I've learned a lot, but the whole Corona thing, mm-hmm. it's been all online. So yeah. I'm not paying, I'm not giving my money's worth. I'm not getting my money's worth. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the school cause it's all online, mm-hmm. but still like I'm, well, I'm able to stay in Japan and still I'm able, I have been able to learn a lot through the school. Mm-hmm. But anyways, th- yeah, that's just one like of the many ways you can, you know, routes you can take of learning yeah. Japanese here.
0: There's so many different ways to do it. I mean, so many people do, you know, really intense, like, uh, there's different online programs, there's apps, you know, there's like getting really hardcore into just watching Japanese media, like movies and TV and anime or whatever. Like people do all kinds of different stuff. I think most people take some, to some extent, like an integrated approach. Like it's usually not just one thing. Like even when I was just grinding on that nine, 10 month program, like technically I was like, I was just studying in accordance with the curriculum of that program, but mm. that curriculum involved many different things. Like we would watch TV shows and read novels and like whatever it might be. Yeah. So, um, and I think in this day and age, it's hard not to take an integrated approach because you have so many resources.
1: Absolutely. And mm. yeah, I've been kind of failing and like, and taking advantage of a lot, a lot, a lot, of opportunities and now I'm starting to regret it. Mm. And, um, now I think I should, you know, take it more seriously. That's why I actually wanted to talk about this, Specific topic just because just recently I started being more serious about uh, my language learning
0: nice, man. Yeah, it's a good thing
1: yeah, yeah, and I wanted to kind of like uh, be more of an advocate of um,
0: Learning the language Mm -hmm. of the country that you're in dude. Yes, like totally I think honestly, it's really pathetic when people live here and don't even try yeah. Because I have, I don't remember if I've brought this up on a past episode or something, but I have met people who have been here for like 10 years and I remember this one time in particular. I'll just tell the story very quickly because yeah, it's kind of it. funny. Yeah, go for it. Go but uh, when I first officially moved here, before my graduate program started, I was doing a summer job. Yeah. Um, It was that come on out English camp yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I was So I was basically helping teach English, like also supervising classrooms. I, I went into more of a super... Uh, like a leadership role. But anyways, uh, it was like an English teaching thing for like Japanese high school students. Yeah, And uh, we were working with an education company called Toshin. Which I work for now. Yeah, you work for now as an English (laughs) teacher, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I met this one guy who worked for Toshin at the time. And he was like from America or or he was British. He was from the West somewhere. And uh, I was talking to him just one day and he's like, yeah, I've lived here for 10 years and I I was like, "Oh, wow, your Japanese must be really good." And he's like, "Actually, I don't speak any of it." And I laughed because I was like, he I thought it was a joke. Yeah. I was like, "What? You, like you've lived here for 10 years in my head." And then he was just looking at me and I realized, "Oh, he's not he's not kidding." And he's not the only person I've met like that. And yeah. I just don't I don't get that mentality, man. I yeah. think it's disrespectful. I think it's lazy.
1: I I think so as well. You know, and even just some people that I've I, you know, I've trained with and that I've met through j- uh, jiu-jitsu or just everyday life. Yeah. Like, I've just, I noticed, like, there's, like, these, you know, older guys that have lived here for song so yet don't know a lick of Japanese, and I'm just, like, I don't understand it. Or, like, maybe they, like, I have met people that do know Japanese, yeah, mm-hmm. when they meet Japanese people, they don't even s- attempt to speak to them in Japanese. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't understand that.
0: And uh, that's, well, I mean, is it, like, is it a situation where the Japanese person knows English or, like, wants to speak in English? Mm-hmm. That's weird. Then, yeah. if you if you speak the language, maybe they're like insecure about their proficiency level or something. I don't know. Like I've
1: met people. Like they say, like they speak Japanese, and I've heard them speak it a little bit on a few occasions with a mm. uh, very American accent. Ah. Uh, but maybe I don't know. Maybe they don't know as much as they say they do, or maybe they just feel more comfortable speaking um, English. Yeah. But I don't know. I was thinking the same thing, like about people like in America when the, people come to America and they don't speak any English. Mm-hmm. And how people always say, like, oh, if you come to America, speak English. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's, I mean, I think it's ignorant to say, you know, this kind of thing. Like, oh, you have to speak English. But I think any country you go to, you should at least know the language.
0: I feel the same way. Like, I'm not comfortable saying, like, if you live in America, you should speak English. No, like, yeah, yeah. I've never been one of those people. But at the same time, I'd be lying if I didn't kind of feel like the people who come to America or go to any country yeah. and don't try to learn language aren't being in some way disrespectful or lazy
1: i do think you that, know yeah. and not in all circumstances but most circumstances yes. yeah
0: so like i'll never be the kind of person who says that about like some you know person who came from somewhere else back in america i just because i'm not personally offended by yeah, it Yeah, yeah, yeah. and people have all kinds of like people come from different places different backgrounds they have their own challenges yeah i'm they not trying maybe to sometimes you
1: don't have the financial capacity to be worrying about right you know anything other than trying to keep a roof over their head in the yeah. country. But at the same time, like you, you meet these people who are really well off in Japan, yeah. you know, have very good jobs and they've lived here for so long and don't know anything.
0: Yeah. It's just, and you know, the people that I meet like that too, like I know like you train with a lot of other uh, Westerners, I think like your mm-hmm. dojo has a good amount of them. Yeah. I've met people like that and I've met people in my own life through other avenues. Um, Like other Westerners who live here and maybe have been here a long time and don't even try to learn the language. Those are typically the kind of people who seem to want to just treat Japan like another. I don't know. I'm going to really generalize here, but those people tend to be the ones, in my experience, who they only want to eat at like Western restaurants. Like they never really get into Japanese cuisine. Mm, So, like, you'll never really catch them eating like washoku. Like they're eating pizza and burgers on the weekends anyway. And like they don't tend to have many Japanese friends unless it's Japanese people who can speak English and accommodate them. Like they just kind of want to treat Japan like an extension of the life and culture that they're already used to and just, and like, you know, they'll hang out in Rapongi and like Azabu and these nice areas that cater to foreigners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, I feel like they're missing out because like it's not always easy and I'm, I never am like fooling myself into thinking that I'm somehow Japanese but I feel like one of the most important parts of, like, the enriching life that I've been able to lead here is how much I've tried to immerse myself into Japanese culture.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's the language itself is intimidating, you know. And like, mm-hmm. I, I've met people that like have like you know people with like jobs, you know, real jobs, and they're you know they have well off well off enough to be able to afford the time to do it. But still, like a lot of people, you know. It's the language itself is quite intimidating because it's Definitely. very it's very different from um, the structure of English or the way of thinking, you know.
0: Yeah, it is intimidating, and I still feel that way even being at the proficiency level I'm at. But one thing that I was gonna say earlier too is it's not too late. It's never too late. Yeah. Um, so I know how you feel with like, oh, I should have started earlier, but that's how I felt when I started in my senior year. I was with like all these freshmen and then I was looking at people I knew who were other seniors who had started when they were freshmen and I'm like I could have been at this level but you know I just tried to grind as best I could with the opportunities I was able to get from that point on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it paid off. And I think even if you know even though I got lucky and I got into these programs and stuff that really helped but even if I had to like grind and just do self-study like that pays off. Even a little bit every day. Like Japanese people will be so thankful and appreciative that you're trying. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like having friends that are Japanese or trying to speak Japanese with Japanese people at like establishments that you visit, it'll help. Like it all adds up. It's just the grind. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like anything else?
1: Yeah, I was watching these videos. I was watching this YouTuber. She's been really helpful with um trying to learn Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're about subjects that I'm already familiar with, mm-hmm. like, you know, like grammar structures that like I already know, mm-hmm. but still like I was able to watch this, you know, she has like really very in depth, good videos. Her name's like Miku Japanese or something like that.
0: I think I've seen her stuff. On yeah. Too,
1: yeah. And it's really cool because not only does she talk about these basic uh, grammar structures, which are quite, you know, important to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, she goes into like the certain nuances mm. of what the difference are is between like using each one mm-hmm. um, in conversation mm-hmm. and like cultural nuances or reasons for why these nuances are there. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Or like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Or, oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Or, oh, why? Still, <laughs> yeah. still why?
0: Yeah, still why. Like I get it, but yeah. why? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that and there's so much of that in Japanese too, right? Like there's so much cultural influence on the language. Yeah. Um, because of things we've talked about before, like just the huge etiquette culture here and like polite speech versus casual speech, and then the different levels of polite yeah. speech, like
1: the different ways you can say if.
0: Oh yeah, there's like at least three basic ways to set up an if then statement. Yeah, yeah. Like there's you know
1: Ba. Yeah. There's tara, yeah. there's nada yeah those are the three main ones yeah and you can always use baiwa. Moshi. baiwa like you know sono baiwa
0: ah sono baiwa yeah yeah, yeah. like in that situation yeah yeah, yeah yeah in that
1: situation
0: or if you have in yeah it's like right. it's just like
1: but it's just and it's like knowing when to use them and when not to use something
0: i remember when i at the program um that i went to that we were talking about like I remember one day they actually tried to teach us the subtle differences in meanings between those three forms of if, the mm. tada, ba, and nara. And I was like, what? this was one of the reasons that program was so cool. Like they made me really understand things that I thought there was nothing more to understand. Like yeah. I thought those were just three equal and alternative ways of, of expressing if. Yeah, yeah. But there's technically subtle nuances to each one. Like tada, for example, the way I understand it, assumes that something is going to happen yeah. and it's sort of saying like basically after this happens so not this will happen right or this would happen yeah it's it's so in that way it's an if but it's also kind of a when yeah, yeah. um because you use it assuming that this thing will happen exactly and then ba is more of like an uncertain one it's kind yeah, of like like seeking advice i believe or yeah. like something like uh or like what like just negative tone kind of or not negative but like maybe not negative maybe in certain situations yeah. but almost kind of similar in my mind to like when you say somo like yeah. if this happened, it's really more of a pure if than tara i think yeah 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 and then nara is almost has this nuance of like oh well if it's that then this yeah, yeah. like oh it like so you hanashi nara like if that's what if that's the story you're going with then i'm my response is yeah, I don't Nihoniku
1: know. No, yeah, Nihon like if beckos. you're gonna go to Japan, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, not like if this thing's gonna happen as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not as much a contingency. It's see, it's really exactly like, English doesn't have the capacity to well distinguish between these subtle nuances. Yeah, yeah. But to Japanese people, these subtle nuances are second nature.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And
0: yeah, I'm sure
1: like same way that if we ask. Uh, a Japanese person, if they can describe it, they they won't know, unless they're obviously a Japanese teacher, they wouldn't be able to. It's the same way, like, people ask us, like, why do we say certain things? Yeah. And, like,
0: I don't know. Oh, man. Me and my girlfriend, we have these conversations all the time, because her English is, like, amazing. Yeah. But it's still not technically native, um, because she didn't really start learning and speaking it.
1: Wasn't she raised in America?
0: No. She was... Okay, so this is funny. She was technically born in Texas because her dad was living in the States at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But moved back here before she was like one. Oh, okay. Lived here, was raised here until she was 12 and then moved to the States when she was 12 and went, you know, high school, college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lived in the States for a while. So like the first half of her life was in Japan. So she's not technically a native level English speaker. Mm. But she's very close. But still, like there's always things I'll say that are like... I guess very advanced or like native phrases and she'll ask me and she's like, but why like, why do you say it like that? And I'm like, I have so many but whys for you about Japanese stuff. Yeah, like it's just it always goes both ways even though like her and I are both very good at each other's native language Even though her English is beyond my Japanese I would mm. say but still like when it's that kind of situation you're sort of operating in the gray areas between these languages, right? Like we understand things about English that only native speakers would understand, yeah, yeah like yeah. as secondhand nature. And, you know, our Japanese counterparts, like our girlfriends or whoever, they understand things about Japanese that will never be second nature for us. But it's just a matter of trying to understand these things as best we can every day. Like, because the little bits that the little revelations you come to, like they add up. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just feeling around in the dark and then things start to make sense
1: yeah 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 it's uh i want i wanted to talk about like how um how japanese language came about Mm. like uh i'm I'm sure you've heard about like this uh in the history you know the general history of it Mm. uh obviously the the kanji came from chinese you know chinese letters so there's like three different alphabets for japanese there's (laughs) hiragana katakana and then there's kanji yeah. which they all use simultaneously within sentences and you have to learn all three if you really want to be able to understand what's going on mm-hmm. um and they kind of took the kanji from chinese and developed hiragana and katakana mm-hmm. uh just um out of their own necessities mm-hmm. but the way that they're kind of their the the maybe the the nuances and the cultural reasonings for why they think certain ways, mm. uh, and why those ways they speak, is because basically the the structure of Japan itself. Yeah. Right. So Japan is like ninety percent mountains.
0: Is that true? Yeah, I think it's I've heard like, that. before. It's like
1: things like seventy seventy to eight, like seventy to ninety percent mountains. It's A lot of mountains. Mostly mountains. Yeah. And Tokyo itself is known as like the Great Plain. Right. And so it's a huge area of flat land, which is very. Um, different from the rest of Japan. Yeah, and it's impossible, nearly impossible for Japan. uh, sorry, Japan. Tokyo itself to expand out much more Mm. because of the mountains around it. Right. Right. So they have back a long time ago. They would have like a bunch of little tiny tribes Mm -hmm. that would you know stick together, or clans or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, and that would be in these, you know, certain parts of mountain uh, certain parts of mountains or mm-hmm. different parts of Japan that were flat, mm-hmm. like for instance, Tokyo or maybe Osaka, which is,
0: the whole country was yeah, all, just, it was all different domains. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Different domains of, uh, of Japan. Um, so if they did have these smaller clusters of people, yeah. they would have to, Be able to get along with one another, and so they'd have to be a little bit more agreeable in a sense.
0: Yeah, there actually wasn't even a concept of Japan, I don't think, Uh, not a successful one until um, the Tokugawa shogun. It started in what was that sixteen twelve, maybe something like that. Like before that, there were obviously the two famous predecessors to the first Tokugawa shogun. There was uh, Hideyoshi Toyotomi and uh, Oda Nobunaga. And, like, they were the first—they were the two guys who tried to unite Japan Mm. as, like, this nation before the Tokugawa Shogunate did it in an arguably successful way. And their reign lasted for, like, 250-plus years. But before that, like— people didn't know, there was no concept of Japan. It was like, you belong to your domain and you knew there were other domains and other daimyo, like warlords. Yeah. And you would either have good or bad relationships with them, maybe go to war. But I don't think people even knew like what Japan looked like on a map. Like the whole yeah. concept of Japan. Especially because modern Japan isn't one island. It's four major island groups yeah, and yeah. then tons of other smaller ones. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah, definitely like the... the um, What's the word? The fragmented nature of the country, especially historically, has to do with how the language came about, and also the differences some of the differences that still persist today.:
1: Yeah, and a lot of the ways that we think of like as me, like in you and many other people start to learn more and more Japanese, you start to realize that the way that they say things, whether grammatically or um, just socially, it tends to be a little bit more agreeable.
0: Right. Mm, yeah.
1: And so people are a li- little bit more reluctant to um, be, you know, um, a- uh, aggressive—not aggressive, but like um, contradictory to the rest of the group.
0: Yeah, like group mentality. Uh, there's this term, "toits kenkai." I think mm. it is. It's like a consolidated opinion. It's, mm. it's actually not a phrase that gets used a lot, I don't think, but it's it's what you're talking about. It's how like in Japanese culture and therefore also in the language, it's important to be non-contradictory. Uh, non-confrontational. non-confrontational, non-contradictory. Yeah, non- yeah, Yeah. like
1: non-confrontational and to agree like the what was the, the the nail that sticks out gets hammered down. I was
0: just, yeah, it's deru kugi wa It's a common yeah. phrase. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's a very common phrase in Japan. They say it all the time and conformity. Exactly. But, yeah. Exactly, and it really reflects, and this kind of thing really reflects in the language mm-hmm. and the way that we can learn it, right? Mm. Uh, and the way that people are, and so like the how this kind of, uh, I guess, social, um, social understanding of Japanese, as you, as I learn the language more and grammar more and proper way of speaking to somebody more, mm-hmm. I start to realize like how much it is affected by these social constructs.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. Like, Japanese is such a scripted language, honestly, because, and we talked about this before as well in, like, past episodes, but there are so many set phrases and things you're supposed to say.
1: Honorifics, which is very important. Yeah.
0: Um, And even when there's not, like, one scripted way of saying something, though there are many phrases where it's, like, it's a set phrase, you say it the same way every time. There's, like, certain situations where you know, it's like, what's my line? Like, what am I supposed to say here? I know there's something. Yeah. And then, but there might be different ways of saying it, but it's, they're all kind of the same, like, saying the same thing.
1: Yeah. There's different levels to it, right? Yeah. Depending who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. If you say the wrong thing, it can be misconstrued, right?
0: Yeah. And we get some extra leeway with that as foreigners, but definitely, like, yeah, that's a big part of it, is the different, like, the Mm joge kanke, the vertical, like, hierarchical structure of Japanese society and how the way you speak is supposed to change with your relationship to the person you're speaking to. Yeah. In English, we just use the word you to refer to our interlocutor, the person that we're speaking with. Like if I was to address you right now in this conversation, I would just address you as you. Yeah. In Japan, it's sort of rude to even directly call someone you, to address them directly like that. If you're really close to the person or if they're clearly beneath you, like they're literally your child or yeah. like your subordinate, you can do it. But if it's someone on your level or especially above you, you're supposed to kind of just say their name. Yeah. Which is weird for us or in English. Or just not say anything at all. Or not say anything. Like, it's just
1: in, imp- It's implied that, that, that that's who you're talking about.
0: Exactly. Like it's almost like when letters are silent in an English word, but pronouns are silent in a lot of Japanese speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just kind of say something and... If you try to literally translate it like one to one to English, it'd be like, "Where's the pronoun?" But yeah, it's yeah. just implied here. Exactly. A lot of times. Exactly.
1: There's like I don't know how many different ways of saying you. Yeah. If you say the wrong you, yeah. it could be con- misconstrued as like as disrespectful. And if you even say any kind of you in any way, yeah, other than the person's name, yeah, then it would be even more rude. And
0: even then, you can't just say their name if it's someone important enough. Or like that you're supposed to respect to the degree where you're not supposed to address them directly like that. Yeah. Then you have to make sure you add the right honorific too. Exactly. Like exactly. at least san. Yeah. You know, yeah, if yeah. not sama or something. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. So it's funny. I st- like.
1: I still have trouble with a lot of those things. Like when can I say uh, kun or chan, uh, or when can I say n- nothing at all? You know, and I, I, actually, like you know, Miku's videos actually helped me a lot in that in yeah. that regard. So, but. Yeah. It's just like trying to like gradually figure out, you know. Even though like I know a decent amount of Japanese, mm-hmm. it's just like I don't know
0: what can I say and what can I not say. You feel a little bit lost in the cultural aspect of the language, right? yeah. Because yeah. you you basically know, for example, what kun and chan mean. Like you know that they're honorifics that are sort of looking down or used for people that are younger. Yeah. I'm assuming you know that much, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like, when am I? And just um. In case you still have any, you know, wonderings about that particular topic, I would say if you're ever not sure, just don't use them. Yeah. Because anyone that you would use kun or chan for, you could also just say son, and that's a safe way to go.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like absolutely. even if
0: it's like a someone else's like small child, you could just call them son.
1: Yeah, you know? absolutely. And you know, sometimes the way that you say something, it can be either misconstrued as disrespectful, or as you trying to create
0: distance between you two. Mm, yeah. Right? Or like, you know, coming off as insolent or arrogant. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah.
1: And those kind of things, it's very... It's, it's not understood by any type of other language. Yeah. And so just trying to like think of that, like it's... It's it's a language that's very concentrated on um, um, non-confrontation. Non-confront... You know, being non-confrontational. Yeah. And being agreeable
0: yeah and that's, of course, not to say that there aren't confrontations in oh, Japanese. Of course. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, I've been in confrontations with Japanese people. Really? Like, so, yeah, of course. Like, it's just... It's the human condition, right? Like, yeah, Japanese yeah. people are people. Of course, but it's of course. Just, it's just, like, very taboo to be in a confrontation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> even more of a big deal. Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and Japanese people go out of their way, especially with the language... Like, even in the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, To avoid confrontation. To the point where sometimes... I'm sure you've had this situation like as foreigners especially as Americans we're like why won't you just say what I know you want yes, to say like just yes. say it but yeah. they don't want to say it because okay, it might create a rift. I
1: yeah. got I got a story here right? Yeah. So right now I am an English teacher for little kids, right? Yeah. I work for for Toshin. Yeah. And so I the kids that I work with um they are from ages like rough like 5 to like 12 roughly. Mm-hmm. In between that and the way that you have to you teach kids, mm-hmm. uh, in those age groups have to be very, are, are very different. They, mm-hmm. they vary even more. So I've, I, I've never taught American students personally, mm-hmm. but, uh, I feel like it's a lot, it's, it's more nuanced or dif- different the way that you teach o- older and younger kids. Oh yeah. It's because, so I don't know if you've ever taught kids before, but, uh, in Japan, but uh, the five-year-olds, you can speak to them like it's very easy. You know, they're little kids; mm-hmm. they're normal. It's very easy to get along with them. Uh, you just have to be very fun and you know cheerful, and you you know maybe a little bit stern sometimes if they go a little off the rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very easy to you know, and then you just ask them, "Oh, did you understand this and that?" And mm-hmm. You're like, "Walk on it," you know. <laughs> I
0: don't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and so like. They'll they'll say things like, where like, okay, I know what they're thinking and what they want. Mm-hmm. You can tell, like, oh, this kid is about to cry. Or this kid is, is laughing too much and he's just having too much fun. Or this kid is just really, really shy. Mm-hmm. You know? But the older that these kids get, the more difficult it is...
0: Can to, I... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. go
1: ahead. The more difficult
0: it is to get a response out of them. Can... So... I think, you haven't really qualified that statement yet, but I just want to say, yeah. I think I know where you're going with this. So yeah. tell me if I'm wrong, but when I um, was doing like the summer jobs I did for Toshin, like yeah. there's three summers where I was an English teacher, I worked with or supervised anywhere from like, it was usually from middle school to high school. And sometimes, I, I assume this happens to people, Japanese students in this situation, like at different rates like there's some variation but it's i think they kind of get socialized yeah like around the same ages but all all i know is that like i can see how when they're young kids they're kids. They're kids they're just kids and then by the time they're already in like middle school like 12 years old like the older kids that you teach they're already made to be so like Some of them just seem so beaten down already. Yeah. It's like they're so... They've been hammered down too many times. They're so painfully shy. They will not say... They don't want to admit or say out loud when they don't understand something or when they have an issue. Like, they just... They think they're just supposed to be, like, silent, you know, participants. And it's really, like, painfully hard to deal with sometimes
1: yeah and because the the kids that i teach are very varied and because i'm only a substitute teacher like at this very moment i'm not able to develop any you know, long-lasting relationships with these kids that i that i go teach yeah uh so it's always new students and i always have to like kind of gauge where they're at mm-hmm. and i mean it's been very good for me as a teacher but it's also been uh you know it's yeah it's also it's, it's taught me a lot yeah and so i realized that you know I'll ask them a question. I'm like, okay, am I just a really bad teacher? Do I, do I, am I, do I suck as a teacher? Is this yeah. my fault? Am I doing something wrong? Yeah. Or maybe is this particular kid not, you know, that bright? You know? They
0: just, are you saying, is it a situation where like you'll ask something is and they yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: I'll ask them something and they'll just be like looking directly at me. Just <laughs> nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, do you understand? And they don't say anything, so I just assume like, oh, maybe they didn't understand the word to "understand." So, uh, <laughs> do you, do you like? I'll, maybe like I'll, I'll get to a point like I'll I'll say in in Japanese like yeah. "kari Yeah. And then they still won't say anything. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so what's going on? Like, did I? Okay. It means they didn't, and they yeah. don't want to admit it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. they like, they they won't say no, and they won't say yes. Yeah. Especially if there's a, at least one other kid in that group. Yeah. Right? And so they're like, they're it's just pain, they're like painfully shy. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, it's not that they're shy maybe, but then I realized it was like a so, sudden realization like last week. Like the reason like it's so difficult to get like, to teach these kids is because they're just been hammered down too many times. They've been yeah. socialized so much to the point where, um, or at least socialized in Japanese society so much to the point where it's they don't, they're too afraid to express their opinion.
0: Yeah, like they're afraid of the repercussions if they if they cause an issue. No, I don't think it's being afraid of the repercussions. I don't think it's like in Japanese school, they're afraid that they're going to be yelled at or like something like that just because they don't understand. But it's like the inconvenience that is created by someone saying that they don't understand and therefore having to like take time out of everyone's, the teacher and the other student's like lesson that's not how Japanese school works. Like in America, we have, and I think in a lot of places in the world, probably at least in the West, like we have different ability grouped classes. Like mm. there's math one, two, three, or like remedial, whatever. Like you go into different classes based on your skill level. That's common even in public schools.
1: Yeah. Like tag.
0: A spe- whatever. Yeah. Whatever it might be. I think it depends on the state. But yeah. Okay. Um, in Japan, it's does not work that way. There aren't different levels. It's you are in the same class studying the same material with everyone at your grade level. It is an extremely standardized education system. And that is why a lot of kids don't get like their real needs addressed. There's yeah. kids who are way too advanced for that level and they're getting slowed down. And there's kids who have learning disabilities who slip through the cracks and it's never addressed. And that's yeah. like the real uh, tragedy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know for some for a lot of people, I guess it works, but it's it's overly standardized from an American perspective, yeah, absolutely, and so I think that's where that comes from because I had the same experience when I was doing those three summers as a as an English teacher or like yeah, classroom what supervisor. was your experience like how did
1: you deal with those kind of situations like how, when did you realize like that certain point where like am I doing a bad job uh-huh. or are these kids just? You know, like, is it the culture? Mm. Is it them? Are they just, are they like, you know, maybe not, maybe they have like a certain learning disability? Yeah. Well, (laughs) what's going on with them?
0: Well, let's first, uh, let's first clarify that obviously it doesn't apply to all Japanese students. No, 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 absolutely not. Because I'm sure it's the same for you. But with me during those three summers, um, you know, each summer it was like five to six weeks of this teaching, this English camp. And each week was a different group of students. And I met some extremely bright Japanese students, some really, and some that I mean, were. People are people, right? You yeah, know? exactly. So. There's variation. But um, I definitely dealt with a lot of the stuff you, you were talking about, where like the kids, even within groups that they were assigned to, were like of such different levels. So it made it really hard because some kids were like understanding everything and really passionate, yeah. and other kids were just not ready to progress because their level coming in was so low. And those tended to be the kids who would just, like, look at you when you ask questions. Yeah. And stare at you. Yeah, because they either don't realize that a question was even asked, or once you make it really clear that you're asking them if they understand, then they still won't answer because they don't want to admit that they don't understand. Yeah, yeah. And, um...
1: Like, yeah. like, I keep telling them, like, it's okay if you're wrong. Like, it's it's totally fine. I just want to know, like, am I missing something? Because yeah. I don't know these kids. I don't know what they know and what they don't know. So I have to yeah. ask them, like, do you understand? Yeah. Do you get it? And just look at me. And I'm like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> it makes it very challenging. It also yeah. makes it very rewarding when you, ma- when you have breakthroughs with those exactly, kids. Exactly, exactly. But uh, it can be rough, man, especially if the kid is particularly shy, which is really common among Japanese youth. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with foreigners and, like, I don't know. Yeah, you have a beard, so you're kind of scary. Yeah, (laughs) no,
1: it's actually something I worry about sometimes. Oh, me too. I've I got my shaved head, and then I got my facial hair. But I'm sure the way you so like I'm I'm different looking from them. Maybe I'm foreign, but I'm just like different looking. Yeah. So like obviously immediately I'm going to assume like an you know outsider. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I get I get I'm worried that like what if I seem scary?
0: I'm sure like the most painfully shy of painfully shy kids maybe that would be an issue for them, but I'm sure if there's even a thought of that with your students, like, the first time they meet you, by the time you've had five minutes to interact with them, oh, they understand yeah, yeah. that you're, like, a nice guy. And, yeah, and, yeah,
1: they, they won't to me pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I like personally, I, I've, I re- I've realized that I'm actually really good with kids.
0: Hell yeah, I could see that.
1: And it's, it's been really fun to, like, play with the kids, and, you know, I've learned a lot about, like, um, you know, how to teach better, and how mm-hmm. to, like, uh, understand like oh, so that's why you mm-hmm. know, but yeah yeah yeah, but it's it's really interesting because you can you can see um how different different the way like because at the beginning they're just kids mm-hmm. and then as they get older they they're really Japanese because they've be- become socialized by the their environment
0: yeah, it sucks to see that sometimes when it ends up with the kid it when it ends up meaning that the kid becomes really shy and afraid to admit mistakes and like, yeah, yeah, yeah or misunderstandings
1: yeah. And it's, it's something that I got, I've noticed like how different language can be and how it can form the the psyche and the understanding of the world yeah. versus when you speak English or Spanish or French. Yeah. Right. Not, not to say that it's necessarily bad or good. It's just different. For sure. And yeah. maybe I was just talking about like the way that people are tend to be like a little more agreeable. Mm. Maybe it sounds negative. But it's very positive in a lot of uh, many aspects. And there's many uh, good things that can that bear fruit from it. Right? Totally. Um, but it's just different. And yeah. it's difficult for someone who's not Japanese or someone who is from the Western world mm-hmm. to suddenly transition to
0: trying to learn this entirely different beast. Especially as Americans. I think sometimes yeah. that's our inclination to be like, just say it. Yeah. Like, even if you don't, I'm sure you don't do that. You don't yell at your kids. No, 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 but in my mind sometimes, you know, I'm flashing back to my experiences with teaching English here and I'm like, Ugh, like I'm in my head, I'm screaming, just say it. Yeah. Or just tell me if you don't understand, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, But yeah. of course, if you're dedicated as a teacher, you have to, you don't act on that impulse. You are very patient. And, oh, sort of course. Of
1: course. Yeah.
0: I, like you were saying, I think there's a lot of good and bad Um, aspects to the differences between our cultures and our languages. And I could talk at length about all the great things that I think Japan does right, that we could learn from as Americans, uh, you know, or that American culture could, you know, take, uh, take lessons from. But then of course it's always somewhat easier to talk about the negative things. So Mm. that's why a lot of times we maybe even unwillingly or unknowingly veer toward, like, the negative connotation of these differences, but it's not that simple. It's not black and white. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's there's things that are better about Japanese culture, and there's things that are better about American culture. I really believe that. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, I guess maybe we, that, that can take us back to the point of the, the many different avenues you can take in learning Japanese, mm. right? So, like, there is... You know, the way that you went, you know, you you were able to get a scholarship mm-hmm. and you were able to come to Japan on that. And that's what re- really solidified your Japanese learning process. Yeah, yeah that was great. But for me, uh, it was a little different. I, you know, I went, obviously, I the same thing as you. I started in, in, at university, like took a few classes. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't have that um, that opportunity you did. But I am now mm-hmm. in a Japanese language school where I am able to have a little bit more of an opportunity to do it. And and obviously there's many other tools. There's you can there's you plenty of YouTube channels that can help you out in different mm-hmm. ways. There's you can go to book off and get the right books that you want. Yeah. Um, and I think there's so many different ways you can learn Japanese. Some people I know that, you know, obviously if you're just like looking in a textbook, it, it can be like you can you know, obviously learn oh you know, that's where the basis like the the base for everything is. Yeah. But to truly express yourself in a conversational way, a lot of people end up going to like bars and meeting people yeah. and talking that way or socialize in some
0: kind of a way. But I think because Japanese is so wildly different of a language than English or any like Western dialect um, or Western language rather, like I think maybe even more so than other languages, you really have to have a formal academic like textbook base when you first For start sure. learning, like you have to learn you like the written uh, language Absolutely, yeah. and like the characters and you need to like, you need to form a foundation in like a really structured way like that. But I think to get to the upper levels of conversational ability and to learn more casual Japanese, like the way you would actually speak with friends and equals rather than just the polite speech that you learn um, most prominently in the textbooks, like that requires... Putting yourself out there, like you're saying, like I think watching Japanese, uh, consuming Japanese media, can be a big Absolutely. boost.
1: Yeah, that's another one.
0: But I think actually speaking Japanese with Japanese people is always going to be the best and most necessary way to get to that. You know, I think that's going to help you get to your. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. It was
1: you know that's the, really it's going to like get you to the point of fluency. Mm. But what's really important mm. is because it's so different is really getting that textbook base yeah. because understanding the, the the different um grammatical you know functions and how because japanese sentences are completely backwards from english yeah. Yeah. they're like completely flipped over yeah
0: and it's just it's like having a map in that dark room i described earlier you yeah know? it's yeah, like yeah. without a, some any sort of map or compass like if you were to try and tackle Japanese without ever forming like a textbook base, like learning from a year one textbook or something to give you that foundation, you would eventually start to recognize patterns. But I think a lot of the learning and pattern recognition is going to come from just like phrase memorization. But Mm. if you really understand things on a more conceptual level, the way it's laid out in a textbook, just at least for that, like first year's foundation, I think that's crucial. You're gonna recognize patterns and understand why things are the way they are in the language much more quickly and easily. Yeah, you know,
1: I think if you're learning Spanish or French, you don't really, if you know English or if you know Spanish or if you know French, learning any of the romance languages, yeah, you don't really need that much textbook work. You can honestly yeah. just start speaking to people yeah. and like learning just based off media or talking to people i think
0: it's way less crucial because there's so many similarities between our languages you know? yeah, yeah yeah they work in a lot of really similar ways yeah. Yeah, um, yeah yeah
1: so yeah except in the sense of conjugation
0: right yeah like i remember when i was learning spanish in school like conjugation was a, a bitch like yeah, yeah yeah i'm not trying to make it sound like those languages are easy i'm just saying japanese is a completely different animal it's yeah. not based on any of the same principles
1: yeah it's not like french or spanish it's like conjugation is based off like who you're talking to who you're talking about and how many are included in time yeah Yeah. time and like how many people are included in that group Mm -hmm. um all those kind of things but japanese it's it's more so like obviously time but also less
0: so time though yeah. There's less... There's not even, like, a real future tense in Japan. Japanese. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, you know, It's kind of just implied through the present tense.
1: Exactly. Like, I... Like, doing... Like, like to do something and I will do something is, like, the same tense.
0: To do and yeah. will yeah, do. Yeah, the infinitive form of to do and will do, you say the same thing, and everything else in your sentence is what contextualizes whether you mean now or in the future. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But... And, and also then there's also the whole honorifics thing, which yeah. also changes everything in the way that you use um, the, the conjugation. Yeah. So like in Japanese, it's more so honorifics, but in, uh, in French and Spanish, it's more so
0: like Any number yeah. of things. There's Any so many conjugations. Yeah. right That's like one of the few things I think would you could say is maybe easier about Japanese is that there's not as many verb conjugations. but there's still there's still a handful. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it definitely takes some getting used to when you learn all the conjugations, um, because the way that you conjugate verbs is so different depending on what kind of verb it is. You know, I don't know if you ever learned that song, uh, because you know how every Japanese verb ends in like a different like sound. Like there's asobu, that's a oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a bu verb, yeah, yeah. or there's are the ru, the u, the ku, like yeah yeah. Um, I'm obviously using like the english romanized yeah, way of expressing yeah, yeah. what kind of verb it is but um like and then, that defines how you conjugate the verb and also passive the passive tense yeah pa- well passive that was pretty hard to get used to when i first yeah. learned that i remember
1: i've i've really started like under like learning it more so recently yeah and it's just like so hard to get grasp grasp the concept of it
0: yeah, because you learn, I don't know if this is how you're learning it, but for me at least, and I think this makes sense, you learn passive tense here, sort of in, uh, at the same time you learn uh, causative, mm, yeah, and yeah, yeah. then there's like passive causative, yeah, which is like yeah, a combination yeah. of the two, and really nuanced, and... Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. So that's been really annoying for me to learn, like, properly. Like, I know... <laughs> I know, like, what it means, I guess, and, like, but it takes a second for me to process what it means. Like, yeah. like, who are you talking about?
0: And it, yeah, there's so many variables, man. It's, it's weird, it's hard. This conversation probably won't make a ton of sense to people who don't. No, no, it won't. But, like, language,
1: basically, yeah. I mean, basically, what, the point we can get at is um, if you're gonna learn Japanese, you have to dedicate the time to it, mm-hmm. to, do your textbook work. Um, there's many different avenues you can take, whether it's, um, you know, social media. You can go on YouTube or whatever, or watching TV Japanese, or or reading manga. There's so many different ways you can learn it, yeah. but you gotta understand that it's completely different from English, from French, from any of the L- Roman languages. Yeah. So you really have to dedicate that time to understanding the thought process yeah. behind these uh, certain ways of speaking and ways of speech so
0: yeah like it doesn't have to be a physical textbook but you need some sort of formal curriculum i think at least at the beginning because exactly what you said like it's not just when you study those other like romance languages or germanic languages like you i don't think coming from english you have to study the thought process as much Yeah, yeah yeah with these asian dialects and like Just anything that doesn't come from the same family as your native language, like language family or whatever the proper term is, because that is how languages work. They come from different families of languages. Absolutely. Um, When you're studying something that's totally outside your own, you're not just studying a language, you're studying a mentality. Yeah. You have to understand why the language works that way and it's because it, it ties into the culture and the history.
1: And and that's why I wanted to segue into that whole different conversation of how I was talking about the thought process of these kids that I was teaching mm. was because I want people to understand that there are these different thought processes and it's not just grammar, it's not just language, it is thought. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, just understanding why they do certain things or why they think certain ways and mm-hmm. uh oh actually this kind of brings me into like a, just a very quick segue um there was another language that i had heard about that was from this it was like ranking languages based on how difficult they are mm. and japanese i think was only like maybe like i don't know like fourth or fifth or something really yeah but like they included like very various...
0: wait with like one being the most difficult
1: yeah, one being the most
0: difficult. Are you really? Yeah. So, what but, but, was this? but no, no.
1: The Japanese was still ranked very high on in difficulty level. Uh-huh. But the way the ones that was like number one was from like an island that was like super small, and nobody huh. speaks this languages, and it's from a tribe that oh, is very, okay. very contained and not connected to the outside world at all, and they still have like very tribal. Yeah. It's um, still very tribal environment. Yeah. And so, and there's this. Particular guy who has done a lot of research on this language and has written books on it I didn't go that far into like trying to understand it. Yeah, but my basic understanding of this language is that these people don't understand Anything that is not there in that present moment if someone yeah. walks out that door For them they, it doesn't they don't exist
0: What? Yeah, well that's obviously tied into like their yes. perception of reality exactly right? like their their living conditions their whatever.
1: Yeah, and I don't remember every, cause I watched this video a long time ago, but it really like made me think more about like how I was learning Japanese, how I'm understanding Japanese yeah. because, uh, like realizing the difference in the thought processes just based off this little island of people Yeah, and they just don't understand. They're not obviously people are people. And if you're raised in any, any, any environment, uh, you may seem stupid or smart to any other mm-hmm. um society to you know people you know raised outside of that island. These people may seem completely stupid and like mm-hmm. you know like they don't understand anything mm-hmm. like they 're so simple they must be like cavemen or something mm-hmm. but their their thought process is a, is a, is a is a pro- their language is a product of their thought process right. and their thought process is a product of their language.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a vicious cycle right I think it originally comes from the perception of reality because you create a language like humans create language so yeah. the language can only be as sophisticated as the humans creating it yeah but then if the language is limited as a as a product of a limited worldview or, or perception of reality, then that continues to limit. The perception of reality of those who speak it, right? Yeah, in, and, a, in, and a this, sense.
1: in the same way that certain languages might be limited in that in the perception of reality, mm-hmm. it it also ex- by learning these languages mm-hmm. it also expands your own perception of reality. Totally. Right? Yeah. So like, if as me who someone who's a native English speaker, if I learn Spanish or French, it will not as much as like other languages, but it will expand my like. There's a reason why you know hispanic families or latin families tend to be a lot closer in the family sense and mm-hmm. tend to be very passionate or they're you know stereotypically very passionate and um you know very filled with heart and living in the moment and you know enjoying the, the, their life and why maybe americans might seem to be a little bit more or english speakers might seem to be a little bit more uh, particular with certain things mm-hmm. like i remember Japanese someone, someone telling me that there's so many different words in English for so many different things Mm. and they can mean so many different things, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think English in that sense can be very, uh, very specific and 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 maybe the wordage. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, and then Japanese can be very different and in the sense that People are able to understand each other very easily, just like the way that they're thinking or mm. the the like, you know, kukiyomu, you know, reading the air, oh, yeah. you know, and Japanese people will be able to do that a lot better than a lot of other English speakers or native English speakers. I would agree. Yeah. So they're able to and that's just a product of the <clears throat> language and the perception of reality.
0: Yeah, it's 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 cultural, it's linguistic. It's, yeah, yeah.
1: So there's these kind of things that you lo- these beneficial things that you gain from these languages, and there's also these constrictive nature of these languages.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think even learning a language other than your native language, if that language that you learn, that second language, um, if if there's a way to objectively classify it as more limited yeah. than your own, I think even learning that that so-called more limited language, that more narrow version of uh, verbal communication still has the effect of expanding your perception of reality and how reality can be expressed verbally. Exactly. You know because the fact that it's more limited, so to speak, because I would honestly say that Japanese is a more narrow language than English. Things are expressed yeah in Japanese in a less variable way like there's I, I think there's generally more ways to express the same idea in english or at least i think so too the same idea ends up getting expressed in so many more like variable ways but the fact that it's more limited means that it relies upon set phrases more or yeah. like these set phrases they come from certain cultural aspects like it just it still has the effect of opening you up awakening you to you know, like, oh, why is it expressed that way in that language? Yeah. There's there's a reason, yeah. you know, that may have never occurred to you or may not really figure into your own native language or culture. Yeah,
1: it also helps you, you know, like, you know, helps like it's these honorifics and these way, of, you know, this way that Japanese people, uh, you know, utilize a language is, it helps you to uh, be more understanding of people and be, mm-hmm. I think be more polite and be more, um, yeah. Yeah, like, be more thoughtful in uh, the way that you say things to people, maybe. hmm I feel like there's different ways, things that you can learn from it. Even though, like, I agree with you. I think that, in general, uh, I think Japanese is a bit more of a narrow language mm. in terms of uh, linguistics compared to English. Yeah. Um, But that means they have to compensate in other ways.
0: Yeah, but, it's... Yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: And, um... I think there's a lot of things that English speakers can learn from uh Japanese language, a lot of English things English speakers can learn from Spanish or French and vice versa. I think uh
0: any other language is yeah. you're going to learn things about the world through language.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. And yeah, it's just a uh, it's Spanish
0: it's, is so interesting too. Span- like just a single Spanish out because I didn't realize this until I took like high school Spanish, but There's actually so much, like, Arab and, like, Muslim influence in the Spanish language, too, apparently.
1: I'm not, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. uh,
0: Apparently it has to do with, you know, like, the Ottoman Empire's influence in Spain. Like, we're talking about, like, Spanish Spanish.
1: Yeah, one of the most important mosques in the world is in Spain.
0: Yeah, so there's, uh, apparently that did influence the language. I remember we were learning this certain word one day in my high school Spanish class in, like, 10th grade, and we were, like, that sounds weird. That's a weird word. Like, what is that? And they're yeah. like, oh, this is actually an... Ar- and we have that in English. Yeah. We have yeah, tons yeah. of words that are, like, in English dictionaries that are actually French words. And, you know, that's...
1: Yeah. I think the word for assassin...
0: That sounds French.
1: <laughs> no, from came from Arabic. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Double the ass. Do <laughs> ass twice and then in. Ass, ass, yeah. in. <laughs> I have never thought yeah. of that. Anyways. <laughs> that but, um... Yeah, yeah, no. We got tons... There's tons of... Uh, there's tons of like borrowing from other languages and cultures, even within languages.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something that people should really understand when they come to Japan. Yeah, uh, they should really uh, understand the thought process but behind different things because it's certainly something that even though like I started learning, I started learning Japanese a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I wasn't really consistent through it all, but as I've come along, I start to realize, um, you know, the certain. Um, Nuances mm-hmm. that come along with um, Japanese way of thought.
0: Yeah, it's just gonna help you, you know, understand the place you're living in better. Like yeah. learning the language is really also studying the culture.
1: For sure, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And that was, yeah. I think it's good talking, man.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It was fun.
1: Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add to that? We're like an hour and fourteen in.
0: No, I think. I think that's good. I think we could put a cap on that. Yeah. Um, I think I feel good about it. And I guess we could just say, like, I don't know, you and I were talking earlier about maybe trying to add in the future some aspect um, to our podcast episodes yeah. Yeah. where we maybe incorporated questions that people ask us directly. So if this makes it into the episode, this little bit at the end, if anybody hears this and wants to ask us, like, send us any specific questions about, I guess... <clears throat> Um, relevant to this topic, it could be about learning Japanese or it could be about anything really, yeah, uh, about life in Japan. And you know, not that we're experts, but we do live here, so yeah, if there's anything that people want addressed in the future,
1: yeah, if there's anything specific, the specific question you want to talk about, like you want to ask, or just a topic in general you want us to, you know, devote an entire episode to, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. please mention it because, uh, we're, you know. We want to be <laughs> no, no, out of ideas, not out of ideas, but uh, but we definitely want to you know allow our audience to be able to engage with us. So yeah. please let us know um, whatever oh, yeah. whatever you're into, and yeah. like and subscribe. <laughs> whatever you're into, <laughs> we want to
0: hear about all the weird stuff you're into. Yeah, and uh, like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right, let's get some food. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry. Though. <laughs> let's do it. Shit. that was good